to see all of you this morning. What a good group. Usually these next couple weeks we're way down because of fall break, but we have so many new folks and families that even while many of our families are away, we still have a good group with us. Philippians chapter 2, beginning at verse 12. Philippians 2.12. While you're turning there, a couple of reminders right now. First of all, the church picnic, our church picnic, is actually three weeks from yesterday. It is on October the 21st. We want you to be there. It is a great opportunity for us as a church family to hang out together, to get to know each other and be with each other. Many of you, you know, say, you know, we we don't get a chance to connect with people from the church. Well, this is a whole day where you would get to do that. And there's no prettier place, more beautiful setting than top of the world out at Robert and Dana's place. If you've never been there, I'm telling you, you've got to go. You and your family, you've got to go and be with us that day. So the sign-up sheet, please see Debbie out there in the lobby after the service is over. Uh, Sign up, you'll get to know what, what we're having and all of that. And just please plan on being with us that day. It's such beautiful weather this time of year. And out there, it's going to be even a little bit cooler. It'll be a great day for us to just hang out together. That is Saturday, October the 21st. Then, Saturday, November the 4th is our next uh, seminar here at Basha High School on understanding the Bible. It's again from 10 o'clock till 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Lunch will be provided. And this seminar is going to be all about getting more out of your time in God's Word. And all I can say is, I don't think any Christian should not want to get more out of their time in God's Word. And that day, you're going to get the tools and understanding that you need that when you go into the Bible and you read it and you meditate on it and you study it, you're going to know how to break it down even in a better way to be able to get even more of what God is saying to us out of His Word. I hope you will plan on being here for that as well. We will begin to have a sign-up sheet for that next week, but there are postcards, as we did for the Revelation Seminar, out there on the information table Please pick two up. Pick up one for you uh, as a reminder that you've got to sign up and be there. And then take one to pass along to someone else. Uh, Just like in our Revelation seminar, out of the 195 people that were there that day, approximately 120 were from the Oasis, but there were 75 people not from our Oasis ministry. So it's a great outreach for our, our folks. So please take two of those cards with you over the next couple weeks and maybe invite somebody to come with you. Also, I will mention this. The last Sunday of October, uh, once we get everybody back from fall breaks and things like that, we will be giving you an update on the building and where we're at. We've got some exciting news to share with you, and we're excited about that. We'll share that with you at the end of the month. Well, this morning, God wants to speak to us about living in hope. That's what the passage from Philippians 2.12 down through verse 19 is all about. Paul is talking to the Philippians about living in hope. Let me share this verse with you at the beginning. 
I love this verse out of the book of Romans, chapter 15, verse 13, where Paul told the Roman Christians, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you believe in Him, so that you and I may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. God wants His people to live in hope, to abound in hope, to be hopeful. And in this passage, Paul is going to zero in on two primary areas, if you will, of our Christian walk and our Christian life where we may be struggling maintaining our hope. And what Paul wanted to do with the Philippians and wants to do with us today is to bring us to a place where God, through His Spirit and through His Word, can begin to renew that hope in these two areas of our life. That's what Paul wants to do here this morning. The whole book of Philippians is about the only way to live and die. Remember, the key verse of this book is Philippians chapter 1, verse 21. For to me, living is Christ and dying is gain. And the whole book is about the only way to really live and die uh, as a human being, and especially as a follower of Jesus Christ. So today, Paul would say, the only way to live is for us as followers of Jesus Christ to live in hope. And what does that look like? And what areas is Paul really zeroing in on to talk to us about living in hope? Well, the first area is the area of change. Change. You see, God does three things when he saves us. God accepts us. God adopts us into his family. And God begins to change us. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passing away. All things are becoming new. You see, God accepting us doesn't mean that change is not necessary. God accepting us actually means change is now possible for us. And for others. And for situations. And for circumstances. And Paul wants to really hammer that point home this morning that we must live in the hope that change with God is always possible. The reason why that is important is maybe there are some of you here today. You are struggling or you've struggled with something. Something that's got a hold and got a grip on you. And maybe you have tried over and over and over again to overcome it, to get rid of it, to shed it, to get past it. And you don't seem like you can. And you've come to a place in your life where you've sort of given up hope. You've started to say to yourself, well, this is just the way it's always going to be, or this is just the way I've always been, or I always am, and there's just no possibility of hope, of change for me. Paul wants to renew that hope. Maybe you're in a situation where there is a circumstance or situation in your life with a relationship or a a situation at work or school or whatever. And you keep thinking, 
This is never going to change. This is always going to be the same. Nothing's ever going to, you know, be different. And God wants to renew our hope today by reminding us that with Him, with Him, change is always possible. In our lives and in other situations and circumstances of our lives. And so that's why Paul writes these words beginning in Philippians chapter 2 verse 12. So then my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but even more in my absence, continue working out your salvation with all in reverence. For the one bringing forth in you both the desire and the effort for the sake of his good pleasure is God. Let me stop there. If you mark your Bibles, I would mark these seven words in Philippians chapter 2 verse 13. And they are, for the one bringing forth in you. You see, Paul is saying to us as Christians that we have been given God's indwelling Holy Spirit. And we are not left to ourselves to navigate this life. And if we truly believe that God lives in us, then that means change is always possible for us and for anyone else who has the Holy Spirit living in them. And that, even in that, that maybe we're not even talking about somebody who has the Holy Spirit, but God can so change us through the Holy Spirit that even if our circumstances or our situation doesn't change, God can so change us to help us to even navigate it and manage it much better than what we are right now because it's getting the best of us. And that's why he is saying to all of us, you realize there is one in you. And that's in the present tense, by the way, in the Greek language, meaning the Holy Spirit is continuously at work, present with his power in us, bringing forth things out of our walk with him. Now, he reduces it, Paul, here to even the desire and the effort to do certain things. Do you realize that? You and I don't even have to sort of, sort of somehow come up with our own desire and effort to live for God. That if we just surrender and submit ourselves and yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit of God who lives within us, that His empowering presence can even give us the desire and the effort and the energy to live for Him. And that change can be possible because of God's empowering presence of His Holy Spirit. That's why He goes on to say, for the sake of His good pleasure is God. And who's the God he's talking about specifically here in verse 13? It's not God the Father. It's not God the Son. It is the God who is in you and in me. That would be God the Holy Spirit. Now, Paul though in verse 12 wants to remind the Philippians and us of this. Yes, change is possible. And we must live in that hope that change is always possible. 
because of the God who lives within us, who can bring forth these things. But that doesn't mean that you and I as Christians just sit back, as many Christians do, very passively and do nothing in our lives and expect God to do everything and to do it all. And we just sort of sit back and then we get frustrated and discouraged and despondent because somehow things aren't changing. And we're just expecting to just sit on our backside and let God do everything. And the Bible says that's not the way God works, nor is it the way God brings about change in your life, in my life, and in the situations and circumstances of our life. So that's why Paul starts out in verse 12 by saying, So then, my dear friends, you have always obeyed the Lord. I mean, not perfectly, but that's what you've always, you know, strived to do in your Christian life, is to be obedient. He's saying, then continue to be obedient. Continue to be active in your obedience and in your fellowship of the Holy Spirit who lives in you. Continue to follow Him. Because if we turn Him off, If we say no to the leading and guiding and direction of the Holy Spirit, then the Bible says we are quenching the Holy Spirit. And therefore we are reducing not only the change that could happen in our lives and maybe in our circumstances or situations, but we are sort of losing that hope. Because one of the ways God will build that hope into us is if we start obeying and just doing the things that God and His Spirit and His Word are leading us and telling us to do. So that's one thing. Then he goes on to say, oh, and work out your salvation. Now notice, he doesn't say work for your salvation because he's not talking here about coming to a point where we accept Christ as our Savior. We can't work for our salvation. We are saved by grace through faith. It is not anything that you and I can do to be saved. All we can do is trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross and his subsequent resurrection from the dead. That's what you and I trust in. We trust in the work of Christ to be saved. But what he's talking about here is that salvation is more than just coming to know the Lord as my Savior. Salvation, from God's perspective, and should be from ours, is about becoming more like Jesus. Being conformed to His image. Being transformed to be more like God in His character. And God, when He saved us, He placed all of this great spiritual potential inside of us. And so when Paul says you and I as Christians should be working out our salvation, he's simply saying to us again that we've got to take a very active part in this process and cooperate with God as he draws out of us this untapped potential that he put into us when we became a Christian. See, many of us here today, in fact, I believe all of us here today, there's not a one of us, including myself, that doesn't have untapped potential still down here somewhere that's got to be worked out and brought out. All of those gifts and talents and abilities and things that God wants to see put on display in our life still hasn't come out yet. 
And part of that reason we're going to get to in the second part is because we're not living in hope. But I want to delay that little part for just a moment. The part I want us to focus on is, again, yes, change is always possible. And God wants us to live in that hope because of the God who lives in us, the Holy Spirit, who can always bring about change in anything, including us. There's nothing that's too hard or too difficult for God to deal with. But you and I can't sit back and do nothing. No, Paul says we've got to be active in cooperating with God in bringing about change. We've got to do the things that we know. We've got to put ourselves in the places we know that we need to be so we can grow and develop and deploy our gifts and be strengthened and encouraged and encourage others the same. And so Paul says, obey and work out your salvation. And then notice what he says. He says, with awe and humility and reverence before God. He's reminding us again Do I come to God every day? Do we come even to church today with a sense of awe and reverence for who this God is? And do we really believe that He is a God that nothing is impossible or too difficult for? Because Paul says if we really had that sense of awe about our God, then we would be living in hope and we would be cooperating and very active in this process that he wants to bring about in our lives and in the lives of others and in these situations and circumstances that we have come to a place in our life where we maybe are giving up hope or our hope is waning that anything could ever change. Paul's saying, no, no, no. That's no way to live. That's not how God wants his people to live. Remember, he wants us to abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit, Romans 15, 13. And if you and I have not come here today abounding in hope, living in hope, especially in this particular area where we have given up hope that change can ever happen in my life, that this will just be what I have to deal with for the rest of my life, that I will never overcome it, that I will never see victory in this area, that this will have a hold on me for the rest of my life. God wants to renew that hope and say, no, that's not true. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And maybe, like I said, maybe that's, I've given up hope that this situation, this circumstance could ever change, could ever be different. God wants to renew that hope because he wants us to, again, focus on the fact that there is one inside of us as a Christian who can bring forth all of this and make the change. Remember, God accepts us, yes. So that means change is actually possible now. Change is possible. And I will say this, if you're here or you're listening to this message and you know that the Holy Spirit of God doesn't live in you, then my first obviously encouragement to you is to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. To say yes to Jesus. And Jesus says, when you say yes to me, then the Holy Spirit will come and flood into your life and literally will live inside of us. And then all things are possible when the Holy Spirit comes in. I was sharing with our leaders last night at 
our leadership meeting. That the greatest example to me that you can give of the change that the Holy Spirit can bring in a person's life, even one who's a follower of Jesus Christ, is to look at the disciples of Jesus. If you look at the lives of the disciples that Jesus chose in the Gospels and compare their lives in the Gospels, even with Jesus as their leader, their teacher, their instructor, their mentor, their discipler, they had Jesus physically with them. And yet, if you characterize their life even with Jesus, you and I would characterize their life in the Gospels as a lot of disappointment and failure and, and just, they were just not really, you know. But then, compare their lives there to the, their lives in the book of Acts. And you see a totally different picture. Why? Because the Holy Spirit came into these men and literally indwelt them and they were just so different. They exuded a confidence and a boldness and a power and an authority in the book of Acts that they never had in the Gospels, even when they were following Jesus and literally saw Him with their own eyeballs every day. And that's not to say that in any way I'm diminishing our Lord and Savior I'm simply telling you that shows you the difference of of the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit in a person's life when they truly begin to tap in to the God who lives within them and the difference that he can make. I mean, you take Peter. He was denying the Lord. He was questioning the Lord. He was rebuking the Lord in the Gospels and in the book of Acts, man. He's standing up in front of thousands of people and he's preaching and he doesn't care what's happening to him. And he's telling people, you know, I I don't have any silver and gold, but I have the name of Jesus and in the power of Jesus name, you know, rise up and walk like we talked about. I mean, this man was totally transformed. What was the difference? Not that he was a follower of Jesus Christ in Acts and he wasn't in the Gospels. He obviously did follow. Jesus in the Gospels. It was that he had the power of the Holy Spirit living in him and through him. And that's what made the difference. And if that change can happen in the Apostle Peter, that change can happen in you and I. And that's what Paul wants to renew the hope of the Philippians with. But that's not all. Paul said, not only do we need to have our hope renewed as far as the area of change, we also have to have our hope renewed in the area of our service and sacrifice. I want to read these verses to you. And I want to start in the middle there of verse 14, or excuse me, in verse 14, where he says, do everything without grumbling or arguing or complaining or griping. Think of the Israelites. Best example, God saved them out of Egypt, delivered them, said, come follow me. I'm going to take you to the promised land. And all they did on their way was just gripe and complain and murmur and all of that. Criticize, well, what's going on? And and God is saying, you realize if you're not cooperating, if you continue to just be very uncooperative here with me that the changes that I want to bring about in you and through you just take a lot longer. It's not that we're not going to get there, but it's going to be a lot more painful for you 
And it certainly was because they had to wander around in the desert until that unbelieving generation died out and God finally had a group of people that were willing to follow him. And God is saying the same thing to us. I want to bring about, I want to take you to a better place. But I need to see that your heart is willing to follow me and cooperate with me and not continue to question and gripe and complain every time that I say, here's where I want to go. No, God, I don't want to go. And that was the Israelites. And God is saying to us, even through Paul, let's learn a good hard lesson from the Israelites that were delivered out of Egypt. But then he goes on to say this. So that you may be blameless and pure children of God without blemish, though you live in a crooked and perverse world in which you should shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life so that on the day of Christ, I will have reason to boast that I did not run in vain nor labor in vain. If again, you mark your Bibles, I would mark those words in verse 16, and they are seven words again, so that on the day of Christ. Paul is saying, not only do we need to have our hope renewed as far as the area of change, we need to have our hope renewed in the area of, uh, of our sacrifice and service for God. Because we need to understand that we must live in hope. So that means our gratification must always be as a follower of Christ delayed. And he even uses the phrase to describe the Philippians in verse 17, if you notice, the sacrifice and service of your faith. Did you notice that phrase there in verse 17 of Philippians 2? Because that's what Paul's basing this all on. And here's what he's saying to us. He's saying, if you and I as Christians do not live in hope, if our hope is waning, if our hope is struggling, if you will, then we will not put forth any service for Christ and we will not put forth any sacrifice for Christ. Why? Because we will be living for immediate gratification and not looking ahead to the day of Christ as Paul did. And when you and I don't live then with that hope, then here's what happens. We begin to make sacrifices for others and sacrifices and service for God and all of that. And, and if you and I, because we live in a world that is absolutely, you know, all sold out to immediate gratification. And so we as Christians have gotten caught up with that over the years. And so what happens is when you and I begin to serve God in some way or make sacrifices, if we don't see immediate results, if we don't see immediate fruit and an immediate harvest, what do we do? We throw up our hands. We say, ah, oh, see, it, it doesn't really pay to serve and sacrifice for God. What's it got me? You know, what results can I see from it? Therefore, I'm just going to stop serving and sacrificing. And Paul is saying to the Philippians and to us, that's why God requires that all of us live in hope and that we don't seek to see results and a harvest, really, until the day of Christ, until the day that we stand before the Lord and see, you know, what our lives were like and how they influenced and impacted others. 
Because if we're looking for somehow these big results and this big harvest now, Paul's saying we will get discouraged very quickly and we will stop making the sacrifices and stop serving that is so necessary to be a follower of Christ who lives in hope. That's why notice Paul goes on even in verse 17 to say these words. But even if I am being poured out, poured out as a drink offering by the sacrifice and service or for the sacrifice and service of your faith. Paul says, I am glad and rejoice together with all of you. And in the same way, you should be glad and rejoice together with me. What's Paul saying here? Well, first of all, notice, Paul is saying, I'm living in hope. And my hope is not in the immediate gratification of the, what this world can offer me and an immediate result. My hope is on the day of Christ. My life will have counted for something there. That's what I'm looking ahead to. That's my living in hope. So Paul says, guess what? I am willing by my life to be poured out for you, Philippians. The only way you and I are going to be willing, even as Christians, to allow God, because guess who's the one pouring out here? Paul. It's not Paul. Paul is saying God is willing to pour me out my life as an offering for the spiritual benefit of other people. And God still is wanting to do that today. You realize that. God still is looking around for any Christians who are willing by living in hope to sacrifice and to serve him in such a way that he can have their whole life in his hands and he can literally pour out their life for the spiritual benefit of others. What a picture Paul has here. And Paul is saying, guys, yes, I'm in prison, but I don't want you to think I'm sitting here having a pity party for myself and I'm all down. He says, I rejoice. I consider it an opportunity to worship and praise and rejoice in God that I can sacrifice and serve and have my life poured out. And Paul is saying, you Philippians should have the same attitude, that that you should be rejoicing that Paul's in prison and that I have a life that I can lay down for others. And Paul's saying, you all should feel the same way. Don't feel sorry for me, Paul's saying. Rejoice that I have a life and that God has given me an opportunity to sacrifice and serve and be poured out. Many of you remember the great missionary Jim Elliott that was killed many, many years ago in South America. And one of the things that Jim Elliott said rings down through the the decades. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. That was the attitude of Jim Elliott, the missionary who, in his early 20s, was murdered by the very group of people that he was seeking to reach for Jesus Christ in South America. Why was Jim Elliott, why are, why are some Christians willing to be poured out, to make the sacrifices they do in this life, to serve in the way that they do and lay down their lives for the spiritual benefit of others because they're living in hope? 
Because they're not living for the immediate gratification of what this world could ever offer them because what this world could ever offer them has no attraction for them. Everything that they ever wanted or needed, they've already have in Jesus Christ. The Lord is their shepherd. They lack nothing. And they're living in the hope that one day when they come to that day of Christ and they stand before Christ, it will be worth it all. Every sacrifice, every amount of service, every amount of time, everything that they did, that in eternity, on the day of Christ, it will be worth it all. And so that's why Paul is saying two areas. Because there's so many Christians today, they're not really serving the Lord like they should. There's all this untapped potential that God has placed within them, and they're not working it out. They're not cooperating with God as He seeks to draw it out. They're not willing to make any sacrifices in service. Their attitude is, well, nobody's ever done anything for me. Why should I lay down my life for others? Why should I be so selfless? Why should I keep giving? Because when you and I are living in hope, that will always be our attitude. Because again, we're not living for what the world can give us. And we're not even living for what results or, or harvest or fruit we can see here. Going back to those seven words... We are living, in verse 16, for the day of Christ. That's what we're living for. That's what it means to live in hope. In connection with our sacrifice and our service. What area may hope be waning in your life right now? Are you struggling with hope right now about change? Change in your life, change in a situation, change in a circumstance? Or maybe the area of life where you're really struggling is you've pulled back from serving as you know you should. You've pulled back from really making any real sacrifices in your Christian life. For the kingdom of God. You're holding all your cards close to the vest. Because. You've lost hope. If you don't see some kind of immediate. Response. You just throw up your hands and say. Well, what good is it all? And Paul is saying to us. That's not the way God ever wants us to live. That is not the way to live and die. The way to live and die as a follower of Jesus Christ is always to live in hope. To know that the sacrifices and service of our faith now, one day on the day of Christ, will count for something. But we don't look for the reward here. We're looking for it up there for all of eternity. I'm going to ask our worship team to come. And I'm going to ask us all to stand.
I believe very strongly that God's Holy Spirit wants to renew hope here today. That God wants whatever whatever hope was lacking or not abounding in our life when we came in here, God wants to fill it back up or begin to fill up that, that hope jar in our life, if you will. So that we can get to a place where instead of, you know, our hope waning, that our hope is winning. And that we're living in hope every day. So here's what I'd like to ask. Before we even sing our last song this morning. I would like to ask that if there are any of you here this morning and you would just say, I needed and I need my hope to be renewed as far as the area of change goes. Would you come over here to this side of the auditorium right now? You come. I know there's some of you here. You need your hope renewed about change. And then over here on this side, if there are any here this morning, you needed your hope renewed as far as your service and sacrifice goes. It's not that maybe you're not serving the Lord at all, but maybe you just, you've been giving, 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 and hey, we've all been there. We have all been there. And sometimes even you go, is it really worth it? We've all been there. We feel that way as parents. We can feel that way as friends. We can feel that way in any relationship. And God understands that. But God wants to renew our hope today. Would you come here? If that's that area that you really need God to just renew that area of hope in your life, would you come to this side as we sing, My Hope is in the Lord.